0: I I got Happy New Year today. It's February.
1: I once got Happy New Year in March. It's <laughs> disgusting. It's pathetic. Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc., and I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we're sharing some books that feature thrills, kills, and chills.
0: We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and have book talk about mysteries and thrillers and why we love the genre. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Happy New Year, listeners, and Happy New Year, Tina. It's our first Thanks. episode
1: of 2022. I know. I can't believe it. It's exciting. I'm really excited about some of the ideas we have coming through. I feel like we had a nice break got to really sit down and think about the things that are working for us, the things that we want to bring to the listeners and to the podcast. And with that, since it is the first Tuesday of the month, we did want to take the time to invite you to join our Patreon group. One of the requests that we got from our listener feedback survey was to share more specifics about what being a patron includes. So we're going to do that here. For $5 a month, you'll get access to our two spreadsheets, our master list of everything we share on the show, including Loving Latelys and all of the books mentioned, as well as our Double Loves list, which is a list of all the books that Renee and I have both loved. You will also get two bonus episodes a month with rotating topics, including timely episodes like our most recent one, Even More Best of 2021, as well as deep dives, books we DNF'd, and books we disagree about. You will also get to join us for our live events, including our mood reader Happy hour. Finally, of course you'll get an invite to our patrons only Facebook group, which is a place where we get to know each other a little better and share our reading wins, fails, and extra book talk. Yes,
0: and new in 2022, we're dropping two additional rotating live topics. First is our Backlist book club, which will be run by me. Every other month, we'll invite people to sign up and send in at least three backlist books that you've had on your TBR. I will filter through and pick out several that had the most choices, and then everyone will get a final vote, and we will select the winner together. We'll read it. We'll get together via Zoom for a guided book club. and. I really think this will be a great option for those who aren't in an in-person book club, but want to be, or anyone who wants to get some hidden gems in that are not brand new, which I have a very extensive
1: backlist TBR, and I, I want to read them with other people. A hundred percent, and this is going to be a great way to get me to actually read books that are not brand new and to focus on backlist. So I'm pretty pumped about this one. We've not done something where all of us are reading a book together to chat about. Actually, we did once. We did it once with The Blinds by Patron Request. So I'm excited to bring something that's going to be a bit more consistent. And our second live event that we're bringing is something that I created called Second Year Spoilers, and this will be a bi monthly live event. And what I'll do is I select a book that is coming out on paperback so that we can read it together, and then I'll invite anybody who is interested to join us for a spoiler-filled chat with the author via Zoom. So they'll come to our Patreon group, and we can chat openly because we've all read the book at that point and get some questions answered by the author. And it's really fun. You uncover a lot of different things. And actually, I have four videos saved to my Instagram, and I'll link them in our show notes so you can see kind of what I'm talking about. I did four last year, but this is going to be a Patreon exclusive this year. And these chats will be recorded and shared on the podcast feed for patrons as a bonus episode. And I am thrilled to be able to bring this. So if this sounds good to you, it's if it sounds like it's something you'd be interested in, please head to patreon.com slash book talk, etc. to sign up. We would love to have you there. We would.
0: And we're very excited. And we want to thank everyone who filled out the listener survey because a lot of these ideas specifically came out of that feedback. Mm-hmm. And we're really excited to bring these new Patreon Additions to the content mm-hmm. we already had. It's going to be really fun.
1: Yes. And in addition to, we're going to, we've retooled some things, I think, for the main show. A lot of the feedback was overwhelmingly positive. Mm-hmm. And I think feedback sometimes can be a little scary to ask for and scary to review. But you all were so constructive in your criticism and in, in your compliments. You were so generous. So we're really thrilled about the direction our podcast is taking. We are. All right. And with that being said, let me jump into my loving lately. I could not have a more timely loving lately to bring. This is a concept that I've really got it into over the break. And basically it's digital planning. And so what this means is that I will not be using a paper planner this year. Instead, I will be using my iPad, a stylus, and an app called Good Notes. And this all started with a TikTok. I saw this woman talking about the benefits of going digital with your planning. And I'm like, come on. That, no, I could never. Like, <laughs> tell me more. And of course, you know, a lot of these folks are just so, it's like bullet journaling almost, but people have, you know, they're so skilled at it, but she really sold me on the benefits. And what I love about it is that it syncs between all of your devices. So if you have an iPhone and an iPad, you could still access your planner. You have it with you at all times. The person I'm specifically talking about who got me started is at Flourish Planner, and we'll link her account in the show notes. But it turns out she has this entire brand based on digital planning. And I really think it's going to change the way that I get organized in 2022. The app is called GoodNotes, and it's $7 on the App Store. It is for iOS only, but they have similar things for Android. Just search note-taking apps for Android. And what happens with GoodNotes is that you can write things down. You can even put text in there It also lets you import PDFs. So you can download things like this digital planner and then handwrite in it. So you still get that feeling of being able to write things down. You can zoom in. You can play with fonts. There's thousands of different pen styles. So you can get really creative with it. I haven't gotten to that point yet because I'm just now getting my tools gathered. John was so sweet to get me an iPad for Christmas. So I had a really old one, but now that's Lily's and now I have my own. I've got a stylus. I'm ready. I'm going to buy an Apple pen probably eventually because I'm just that kind of person. But so far so good. It's been really fun. The digital planner is separate. I purchased this from Flourish Planners Etsy store and it was like 20 bucks. But it's not just like a calendar. Of course, you can just download a calendar from Google. But what I really liked about hers is that it's customizable. It's got hyperlinks in there so you can click between the different months. It's got habit trackers, meal planners, monthly calendars. And you'll love this, Renee, vision boards. (laughs) Every month you can create a vision board, which I'm going to do, a digital vision board. I'm very excited about it. Anyway, I also downloaded a digital book journal. So we're going to see if this sticks as one of the ways I track my reading this year. I will definitely share some videos of my setup on our Instagram story because I know it's visual medium and you might be like, what is she talking about? But I think once you like take a look, it's really fun and it's a big rabbit hole. So be forewarned. (laughs) And this is digital planning in an app called GoodNotes. Okay. Well, we could not be more different in our planning this year. (laughs) I know, <laughs> Renee is the queen. But you've got a system now. You've got your Plum Planner. Right. You've got your. Mm-hmm, I've, got, Gretchen Rubin I've got my Gretchen box. Rubin tackle
0: box, which is which I absolutely love. Which is a variety of Post-Its. And you know what's going to be fun is next December we can do a little update on how the year went with our complete, oh, completely different true. planning
1: methods for the year. I'm paper. You're <sighs> digital. At the end of the day, I just hope we do something. I hope we stick to something. I know. Because <laughs> I'm know. notorious for like buying planners and doing like one <laughs> or two months. Like I tried to bullet journal for a while a while, but I couldn't stand it because my heart, if I would like make a mistake, I'm like, well, this page is ruined. Oh, no. And like, you can't be that no. way. But on the digital planner, you, you can erase. You can circle entire phrases that you wrote. Like, for example, on our, my monthly, I'll say, okay, this episode's going to be thrills, kills, and chills. And if, if we decide to move the date, I'll just highlight it, circle it, and move it to a different day. Oh, yes. It's very satisfying. Well, okay. My plan
0: for that is to use a pencil, but oh. highlight but I'm going to use different ha- colored highlighters. That way I can erase, mm-hmm. but it's still highlighted. So then if I don't erase, I still see everything. That's my plan. I like that idea. Okay, That's smart. That's a smart because idea. Because I am the same. If I use a pen and I have to change mm-hmm. something and then I have to scratch it out, I, I just, no, the, the page it feels ruined and then it feels messy. <laughs> and so anyway, that's my plan. But I love that you gave that option and you're going to show that in our stories. Mm-hmm. And you're going to do a digital
1: vision board. Yes. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes, it. a digital vision board. Maybe if it's it's pretty enough, I'll share it. Oh, you, or even it, if it it's not, matter. right?
0: It, you don't, it doesn't matter. Yeah.
1: You, it, is, it is whatever you make it to be. and doesn't have to be pretty. That is true. That is true. Somebody gave us the best feedback on our listener survey. They said they love how alike we are, yet different. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you've encapsulated us so well. Because I think it's very true. Like, we agree on a ton of things, but we approach it differently. Oh, This is a perfect example. I know. Listener, thank you for that kind word. I was like, huh. We both want to be better planners, but we are taking completely
0: different avenues to get Mm -hmm. there.
1: But there's a lot of different ways to get about it. Exactly. Okay. All right.
0: This segues in because I was talking to you yesterday about my frustration over the fact that I could not find anything to read despite having... A million books and nothing was sticking. Mm. So last night, instead of fighting it anymore, guess what I did? I pulled up YouTube, which I told you I've been wanting to do. And I'm never on YouTube. And I put in BookTube in the search bar. Oh boy. (laughs) I never do this. Here we go. I've never done this. Never. I've never been. But that's all I put in. And that's all anyone needs to put in. Everybody else may already know this. This was completely new for me. I put in BookTube. I spent a couple hours <laughs> watching different people tell me books they couldn't stop thinking about, books that made them cry, books that left—I mean, books that changed their life. And every, oh my gosh, I cannot tell you how many I watched. And each one, I was like, I cannot wait to tell. Like, show me a book that changed your life that mm-hmm. I haven't read yet. I cannot wait. Like, I must. It know. was so. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun, and it. It just took my mind off of trying to find something to read. Like, it's okay. But I was, I still, I got back in the book excitement and still had books on my mind while, and I will tell you, somebody, I cannot remember who it was. I did subscribe to a couple different people, but she gave me some ideas of books I had never heard of. I'm going to give them a Mm -hmm. try. So I will let you know if I end up reading them. So I was really excited. That was that was a lot of fun, and it was just BookTube on
1: YouTube. I'm proud of you. I'm so proud of you. You you know, I watch YouTube for murder stories and makeup YouTube and skincare, but I've not dipped my toe into BookTube. Oh, I figured. Mm -mm. I figured you would. I know a couple creators, but I don't think I've ever watched a full video for no real reason other than, gosh, there's you know, there's a million other ways, but I'm so glad that worked for you.
0: Oh, it was entertaining. And I could never do what they're doing, but some of them had one point whatever million views. Wow. Mm -hmm. I know. It's incredible. That's what's going on out there. There's so many.
1: (laughs) I know there's so many different ways to talk about books. Yes. It was entertaining. Okay. Are you ready for latest reads? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. I'm very excited to tell you about my latest read. I think this is one that I might have scooped you on a little bit. It is The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. Okay. Yes. And this one has been making the rounds. It's uh, came out in 2021. And you've probably seen it. I know it's been getting some good accolades. I listened to this one. And it's narrated by the author, which did make me nervous. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, here we go. She's not an actress. You know, whatever. I, though, I will say I did enjoy the production. She has a very distinct Minnesotan accent. But I liked that because it's very much set in Minneapolis. It's a part of the story. I thought it really helped set the stage. So The Sentence is a book about a small independent bookstore in Minneapolis that's being haunted by its formerly most annoying customer. And it takes place from November 2019 to November 2020 and covered all that we experienced during that year, including the onset of COVID and the death of George Floyd. And it sounds like it would be a pretty heavy read, but we're led by Tookie. And Tookie is an incredible character. She is a tough yet charming woman. She's Ojibwe, a felon, and a bookseller all rolled into one. And basically, it's about Tookie being haunted, literally haunted by this ghost of Flora is the woman's name. While she tries to understand everything that's going around them during this time of grief, during the time of isolation, during the time of reckoning. Because remember, they're working at an independent bookstore and they had to shut down for a while. There's these protests in Minneapolis. And, you know, there's a character that goes and and feels like they need to be in the streets and, you know, be seen and be heard. Okay. Let me just say the opening is incredible. You find out how Tookie gets sent to prison, and this was by far one of the most original crimes I've ever heard of. I won't say anything more than that because I want you to find out for yourself. But I loved hearing about the character's indigenous roots and how that influenced her life and her personality. This is a book for book lovers in very obvious ways. My favorite section was her love-hate relationship with this customer. She nicknamed Dissatisfaction because he was so hard to please. <laughs> and so they went back and forth a lot and gave different book recommendations. And the last chapter of this book is filled with book recommendations. So I'm going to go through that and kind of you know pick and choose and see if anything stands out. I love the behind the scenes of book selling. And Erdress owns an independent bookstore called Birch Bark Books in Minneapolis, which shares some similarities with the fictional store here. She does all of this while also very accurately capturing the early days of the pandemic, it was by far the most realistic characterization of 2020. I'm really glad this book exists because I just think it's important that we have this record of the things that went on. Like she's talking about going to the grocery store and, you know, back when people were washing their groceries and wearing gloves and Mm -hmm. gosh, it was just so, it took me right back there and not in a upsetting way, really, although it does get to that point. It was more so like, yeah, we were doing that. And I think somebody many years from now could pick this book up and find out what it was really like. And it almost read like a dystopian novel. It was really messing with my head because you would see, oh, you know, don't forget to wear your goggles to go to the protests, but don't take off your mask because it's a pandemic. There was just layers to this. And then you remember this happened last year, not that long ago. Mm -hmm. And it's still happening now. We're still dealing with things. So at the end of the day, I really adored this book. I highly recommend it, and I would love to read more by this author. It was very well worth the read. It's The Sentence by Louise Erdrich. Oh, good. I'm
0: glad you liked that. It, it's definitely on my list, yes. Mm-hmm. But I wondered about, I have the audio too, and I did see that the author narrated, and I feel yeah. like I
1: subconsciously bumped it down mm-hmm. <laughs> the TBR because Yeah, I don't of that. blame you. I don't blame you at all. And I can still hear the author's voice. And so it was distinct, but not in a bad way at all. It didn't detract from the story. It just, I was like, oh, this is Tookie's voice. <laughs> like, that's what okay. I would, was like. I'm like, oh yeah, it was, it was so good. It's a very memorable story. And I kind of want to get it in print, even oh. though I already listened oh. to it. So Okay, good. All right. I'm, I will give that a try. Okay,
0: my latest read. I'm bringing it because I read it and mm-hmm. I need to, but I'm going to tell you it's A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham. Mm-hmm. And this was my shelf edition from episode 21. I will just briefly tell you in case, I mean, this book is, uh, is pretty popular, but in case you don't know what it's about, you have Chloe Davis, who was age 12 when six teenage girls go missing in her small Louisiana town. By the end of the summer, Chloe's father is arrested as a serial killer and goes to prison. So Chloe and the rest of her family, she has a brother and her mother, and they are left to grapple with the truth and to try to move forward. Lots of trauma. 20 years later, which is really when the story begins, Chloe is a psychologist in private practice in Baton Rouge, and she's getting ready for her wedding when a local girl goes missing. So I listened to this one, and I have much to say about the audio. I did have a, an e-galley, but I ended up doing this mostly on audio. I will tell you up front, I, don't, I didn't end up liking the audio. I started okay. off thinking, okay, this is okay. However, as the story went on, this narrator is, is very breathy and very whispery. Oh, no. And, uh, and I'm just going to say right up front, this book was not for me. And I'm going to try to respectfully and constructively tell you why. And I don't think it was just the audio, but the audio did make me not love the narrator because Chloe narrates the story. And this is a first-person narration. And in order to do that, I think an author really has to nail a really good balance between Dialogue with other people and introspection. And there was so much introspection, so much, mm-hmm. that it drove me bonkers. And I will—okay, so I will say, I have read a ton of mysteries and thrillers over the years. Ton. This is really—has always been my preferred genre. So I, I think that I, I go into these types of stories— with very high expectations because of some of the authors that I have read who tightly plot, make it very complex. And I am a horrible detective. I've said that before. Mm -hmm. I I had a suspicion. I had a theory almost from the get-go. And it, I mean, it was right. As a lot of people who have said, the red herrings felt obvious. I usually have to, when I finish a really good mystery, a really like tightly plotted one, I usually have to go back and think, what did I miss? I, mm. These red herrings were in your face. <laughs> so Chloe is a psychologist. She specializes in trauma. The only time that we ever hear or see her working is in the very beginning, the very, very beginning. And the rest of the story, <laughs> the, I kept thinking, okay, how come she doesn't go to work? And how come she doesn't, like, I feel like if we saw her as a psychologist with, she has a PhD. She went to, I think, Harvard. If we could have seen her in action, I feel like that would have lent more credibility to mm-hmm. her as a character. But she, you know, once the, once the other girls start going missing, I think the author did a really good job of tossing in many suspects. I mean, there were times when I I definitely went back and forth, and that is why I kept listening. Mm -hmm. I wanted to see, am I going to be right? Or, you know, is there going to be, you know, I mean, it did keep me engaged for that reason. What I did, I liked the fact that she tried to kind of go out on her own. This was one of those where you get like amateur person trying to solve the mystery. It's not my favorite trope <laughs> by any means because she. Ma- I feel like she made the the cops seem like incompetent idiots. And my first red flag was, and I could be wrong, maybe there's cops out there or people in who can tell me that that this does happen. But they bring her in to have her, her, who, she's not a witness or anything. She's just a, I mean, she's just somebody. They bring her in and have her look at the dead body because she had known this person. It had been an acquaintance. I have never in, in any detective story ever, they always show the person photos. Right. Why I've would she need to see the body? never experienced a story where they, actually and then she takes a key piece of evidence that they had and she goes and tells other people now i don't think cops would do that because when there's a seri- possible serial killer they don't they
1: keep things to themselves as right. and from the because media. otherwise the killer will know that they're right. on to whatever so, yeah
0: And maybe I'm okay, maybe I'm completely overanalyzing the story, Mm -hmm. but but those things started to happen. And I was like, oh, no, I mean, none of this, this doesn't feel right. And then little by little by little, it everything just started to lose credibility for me. There are quite a lot of metaphors that drove me nuts. I don't know. I think that maybe a little tighter editing. Mm-hmm. could have been involved. I do think that I, this is a me problem because I, w- I went to Goodreads and lots of four and five stars. Mm-hmm. Lots. So take my, take my thoughts with, you know, a little grain of salt because I just feel like, and maybe I'm shifting in what I expect out of mysteries and mm-hmm. thrillers. And that could very well be when, when we're going to talk about that. But I did keep listening. I did finish it in a day. And there were parts that I I liked and parts that I didn't. And I would be willing to give this author another try mm-hmm. in the future. So I'm not completely discounting it. But also I I need to, you know, I read
1: it. I need to hopefully constructively tell you why. I hope I did. Yeah, absolutely. It actually, when you're talking, it reminds me a little bit of The Maidens. And it's got that similar—there's a psychologist who kind of goes on and does this amateur slew thing and, like, doesn't work with the police and withholds some information or whatever it is. So mm-hmm. it kind of is is giving me a bit of that. I'm la- I was making faces to Renee when she was talking. Um, one of the things you said was that there was an overabundance of metaphor— There's a recent book that I read last year, and that was my biggest issue with it. It's Rock, Paper, Scissors by Alice Feeney. There was a million metaphors literally on every page. There was some sort of metaphor or something. It took me right out of it. And it sounds like that's sort of what happened to you. A little bit. And I don't even know that that's something I usually notice. But Mm -hmm. when it becomes too much. Yeah, right. And I'm never looking for that. But sometimes like, I find like I notice a tick or I notice something, and I'm like, I can't stop noticing it. (laughs) It's distracting me from the rest of it. That's exactly exactly
0: what happened here. I kept noticing, and there was lots of glasses that were sweating, like glasses being left on. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? And I was like, "There's a lot of glasses and pitchers around that are sweating, and why? I don't know why I need to know about that." (laughs) And this is like I said, this is a me problem. This is me. Please go check out, there are so many five-star reviews. I will tell you, many, many, many of my trusted sources loved this book. So head on out to Goodreads or Instagram. There's plenty of people who feel differently, but that was A Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham.
1: I'm glad you brought it. Thank you for, I was telling Renee to, I was like, I want to hear about it because I think it's important to know what books worked, which books didn't and why. I think there's value in that. Yes. It, it is Sorry. really hard because
0: I want to promote books, but right. I also right. think it, you know, we have a book podcast. We, we should be honest without being, I would never, I don't want to bash a book. I've, no. I've sat with this, these thoughts trying to figure out how can I constructively say why it didn't work for me, but I feel good about about talking about it. Because there are, like I said, there's plenty of people who Mm -hmm. love this book. I'm only one person.
1: No, I thought you did a great job, actually. And I guarantee there's folks that are going to listen to that and be like, wait, I want to read it. I want to see. Like, I wonder if I would notice. I I
0: think you kind of said. No, I actually,
1: no, (laughs) no, I don't. Because I don't, I had no idea what it was about at all. But when you told me the synopsis, you know what I don't mess with? Missing girls. I don't care for that trope. I never do. I don't know why.
0: Mm-hmm. you're right you did say that you said uh-huh. only one can go missing only one can one. go
1: missing uh, a gaggle of girls going missing I can't do
0: <laughs> don't know why oh yeah, man yeah. okay this wouldn't be for you then no okay well thanks for bringing it okay so that brings us to our mist. we're talking yes. about mysteries thrillers yeah suspense
1: and how funny we both like loosely brought books that are like t- well yours is definitely in that Realm. Mine is tied to it because there's definitely a crime that the book opens with, and the reason we decided to bring this, I think, initially we were like, "Great, this," you know, we figured we're coming off the big, you know, holiday break. We'll have done a ton of mood reading, which I'm sure will include mystery and thriller. When I tell you that I must have sampled ten books in order to find two for this episode, <laughs> that's no lie. I don't know what my deal was. I could not settle. I think it's the time of year, and I'm not discounting any of the books that I sampled because I'm sure they're good. I might like them at a different time, but boy, oh boy, was it hard to find some. Well, I always have
0: mysteries and thrillers at hand, so that's not an issue. What I'm noticing for me, I'm having a hard time getting into a lot of them. Yes. And then Mm -hmm. once I do, I am finding issues that are bothering me. And then I'm, and then I feel disappointed and it's not just that book. It's another one that I started and, you know, I'll talk about that in the future, but I don't know what's happening. I don't know. It makes <laughs> are me Are <nervous>. we broken? <laughs> I don't, because I, I love mysteries and thrillers. Mm-hmm. I will tell, I mean, I've always said that. I think something shifted in 2021 for me. I feel like I'm gravitating more towards literary Mm -hmm. mysteries and thrillers. And for me, what that means is there's like maybe a sub-element of a mystery or a sub-element of like a thrill factor, but you also get really in-depth characters. Yeah. And almost the characters become more important and then the mystery is there as part of it. Whereas before, I was all for... A mystery and solving a puzzle. Like that was my mm-hmm. like obsession.
1: Does that make sense? A hundred percent. And you I'm nodding along because I'm thinking this is the exact reason why I don't like police procedural. I don't care to solve a puzzle. I never try to figure out who done it in a book. I'd rather just tell me a story, entertain me, if that means the characters are super over the top, whatever, if it means the plots. I, I typically gravitate toward books where the characters are central, whether or not I hate them or I love them or I'm rooting for them. I'm feeling something. Those are, That's what's getting me sucked in. And then the plot a little bit for me is is less central. But I think this is my beef with, and it's not a real beef, but with Police Procedural, I need a very solid protagonist for that such as Darren Matthews from the Highway 59 mm-hmm, series. Mm-hmm. Love Darren. We'll read his, you know, any books that Attica Locke puts out in that series. But mm-hmm. so many police procedurals, I've just been like, this is a one-dimensional um, former a cop who was an f- alcoholic. He works too much. <laughs> He's got a red nose. You know what I'm saying? It's like so <laughs> stereotypical. And, and I'm being horribly, you know, overgeneralizing. But I think that's my problem with this because it's more about the mystery itself, puzzling, of course less about the character.
0: Yeah. Well, I totally get that. And I think the police procedurals that I have loved, 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 Sharon Bolton's, Jane Casey's, some of Harlan Coben's, these are authors that can bring the protagonist and bring the detective that isn't that cliche. And, And I really do love that because we get to follow them. Usually it's a series. And that's the thing about a lot of mysteries, they are a part of a series a lot of times. Mm. Or police procedurals, they're a part of a series.
1: And I don't do series, but uh, yeah. maybe I would like to. If I can find protagonists I really like, maybe that's my hook. Maybe that's what's going to keep me reading. So here's
0: the thing about—that's mysteries. M- mysteries are usually police procedural-like with mm-hmm. a puzzle. Thrillers mm-hmm. are different. Mm-hmm. And I feel like— no matter what i will always continue to be on the hunt for a good thriller Me and too. i saw online somebody was talking about like why do we keep searching for thrillers but thrillers are the ones that we want we want to be grabbed they described thrill like a good thriller as being on a roller coaster like when you which i rode roller coasters when i was a kid you know it's going to be scary but you're so
1: excited to get on. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Isn't that a thrill, a good thriller? That is. Yeah, that is the mark of a good thriller for sure. Yeah. And I think it minus the entertainment factor. So let me ask you this. If you can predict how the twists are going to go, if there are twists, does that bug you or is that okay for you? I always want to try to play along. Mm -hmm. I
0: want to try, but I want to be wrong. At the end. You want to be wrong? Is yeah, I was much? wondering. I want to be wrong is that uh-huh. I don't think that's too much to ask only because I'm not very good at solving. Yeah. And I, and I don't like, I want to be like you, I want to be entertained. I want to have a couple theories in my head, but I don't mm-hmm. spend time, you know, I don't want to obsess over it because
1: I'd rather be fooled. Yes. I would rather be fooled too. And when I am not fooled, when I guess super early, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm kind of a little bit let down because, again, I don't try to. So I'm like, wow, this was damn obvious. (laughs) You know, (laughs) I like it when an author almost writes himself into a corner and you're like, no way. This is clearly they're not going to go there because like you can't. What do you mean? How did you? Oh, and you got out of it. Like, that's the stuff. That's what I'm looking for is the surprise, the unexpected angle.
0: That's what gets me. That's exactly—and you know when you were talking, you know exactly what came to mind. I don't—I mm. don't know why, but His and Hers by Alice Feeney. hmm Yeah. That yeah. particular book, I changed my theory so many times. By the time I settled on something, I was so smugly confident. And then at the end, I was—I I remember thinking, oh, she got me. She got she you. Got, like, I just thought that—I thought, you know, that was genius. Now, I've talked that to was, other people who said— they had it figured out and i was like okay well i don't know
1: how because i just i thought that that was a that's that was the clever. type of
0: that's mm-hmm. the type of clever
1: thriller i'm always but, looking for not ridiculous cuz you could no. see, like when you look back you're like yep mhm not ridiculous i don't want th- th- don't do the deus ex Ex machia where you bring something down from the heavens all of a sudden wow there's a magical potion that can fix everything like no 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 no. it's got to be something clever poor authors i mean gosh we're (laughs) really taking them to task here i think because at this point all right so i was looking like i i know a lot of folks are like all right psychological thriller versus mystery versus this and that suspense there's definitions of each of these. And I think the obsession with this psychological thriller kicked off in about 2012 with Gone Girl. Mm -hmm. That is the book that launched a thousand ships, a thousand copycats. And the thing about psychological thrillers is that it plays with readers' emotions and keeps them guessing. And a lot of times there is a big twist with that. And I love that. That's my favorite that I will try. When I'm I'm telling you, if somebody tells me this book got them, this is a thriller that like really shocked them, you're going to get me most of the time. Oh, for sure. Me too. Will you still try anything
0: if they toss in a gone girl comparison? Like, yes, I don't. That doesn't bother me.
1: (laughs) I think, yeah, (laughs) me too.
0: Yeah, it doesn't bother me.
1: I'm like, all right, cool. Let me see. Like, get
0: me, you know? Okay. You know what? I don't read and I have no reason why, but cozy mysteries. Yes. Which they have not the blood and the gore, Mm -hmm. but the mystery aspect. So that could be something that I could try. It in could be 2022 as a as a just a different type of mystery.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't read cozies at all. I've read one I can think of that's I know is a cozy mystery this last year. It was Arsenic and Adobo. It was kind of mm-hmm. fun. It was cute. Okay. But I could tell I was like, oh, this is a cozy. Like and, and that's okay. I think probably both of us really gravitate toward the gore and like not the gore yeah. necessarily, but like the extreme and the dark and the grit. Like we're that's For sure. cool with us. Another genre that I discovered, and it's from this article, by the way, it's from Novel Suspects, and we will link it in our show notes, but they outlined a bunch of these different types or subtypes in Mystery Thriller. They had historical mystery, and I thought, ah, this is a genre I haven't really thought about before But historical mystery is a mystery that places detectives investigating crimes into different times in history. So you might have somebody that's in World War II who's uncovering, you know, doing some espionage or like uncovering some sort of mystery. Do you have any historical mysteries that come to mind? No. Yeah.
0: And actually, I didn't even know that that was the definition. But you saying that makes me think I would really like to try finding one of those because you know what I love Stuff set pre-cell phones. <laughs> yes. So why yes. Would, that seems like something that seems like a sub-genre I would really like.
1: Good point. I think you might. I think you might. Another one that I was like, this is a thing. I had no idea, but then I thought about it. I'm like, okay, is romantic suspense. Mm-hmm. So romantic suspense combines a little bit of swoon or romance in with mystery. And the only one that I came up with in this category is Verity by Colleen Hoover. I know that romantic suspense is very popular on TikTok. Like, that is a very big thing over there. We just have it. It hasn't come to us. (laughs) I don't know why. Well, do you know who definitely, definitely writes
0: romantic suspense and Hmm. romantic mysteries? Nora Roberts. Oh, for real? Oh.
1: Oh. Yeah,
0: I, I don't know why. I probably stopped reading her books, I don't know, a few years ago. But I used to read her book. Every year, not her JD Robb series, but her regular, her regular mystery releases. There's always a romantic element. There's always a mystery. And some of her old backlists are on my five-star bookshelf. Oh. High Noon is one. I'll tell you, I'll I'll name that one off High Noon. And Black Hills. And my Angel Falls. No, sorry. Angel Falls. <laughs> Angel okay. Falls and High Noon. Two very backless Nora Roberts that I thought were really good.
1: I would never have guessed these two.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. So then we have spy thrillers. Mm-hmm. I am Pilgrim. Hello.
1: I knew oh this was gosh. one that was in your it's a wheelhouse. classic
0: spy thriller. Do you have any spy thrillers?
1: Mm-mm. I tried one. <laughs> <And> I <did. laughs> Not for no real reason other than I don't. I'm just not. It doesn't do it for me.
0: Okay. Well, I know. I. They're hit or miss for me. I've tried a couple others, but definitely I am Pilgrim. And then police procedurals we talked Mm -hmm. about. Obviously, those always have a police officer or a private investigator. I don't know if—I think probably investigative journalist would be kind of put in that category, too. And I'm thinking— like that's kind of a new trend is to have an investigative journalist mm-hmm. investigating
1: murder or like a true crime podcaster investigating right. something but yes. that kind of goes into the amateur sleuth hour which i think is a, a something you know something too right you've got heist novels which i think are always fun i like the idea of giving the criminals a point of view and those are usually very high action and thrilling and then you have something I really like, which is a locked room mystery and what I like about this is that you have a group of characters get that get placed into some random setting where there's seemingly no way out, so they have to really figure out and you you as a reader are like how are they going to get out of this mess and there's only a finite number of suspects that it can be
0: Do you have a favorite locked room mystery?:
1: The one that comes to mind is Ruth Ware's in a Dark Dark wood. I think that would qualify okay I don't have a, a locked room
0: mystery off the top of my head I don't think I read a lot of. Locked room mysteries?
1: It's not something I seek out, but sometimes it'll come up as it's a part of the uh, story. I'm trying to think of that Megan Golden one that I thought was kind of fun. It's about an elevator. Escape Room. Escape
0: Room? Yeah. Escape Room Room Mm
1: -hmm. by Megan Golden.
0: Okay. All right.
1: And then you have one genre that I do quite like, which is supernatural thriller. And these are usually spooky and unsettling and involve something paranormal. Chuck Wendig came to mind for me on this one because I think his books would fall into this category, Wanderers, sort of, although that's more dystopian horror. And the one from this last year, The Book of Accidents, would fall into this one, too.
0: I do not think I read supernatural thrillers.
1: I, I like them, but I conflate it with horror a lot of the time. I'm like, is this wh-? You know, and I don't really care. I don't get super fussy about genres. But yeah, I think I can deal with when something funky is going on. So, okay, qu- real quick before we get into our books, because I want to know what you're reading.
0: You know me and my and my fun facts. <laughs> I have to share. Have to all these good. fun facts that I found online for and for the year twenty twenty one. Okay, so of the eight popular literary genres, romance is still number one, but mystery is number two for best selling. I can so see that thrillers was number four, and if you just, I mean, if you care, fantasy was number three. So then. Best selling audiobook genre in 2021 thrillers that
1: makes I sense. I would definitely not have predicted that. I would have guessed nonfiction well, for some reason,
0: really. I mean, mm-hmm. I think if and I was thinking like that makes sense as far as a fiction because thrillers on audio are usually fun, yeah, as, long as the narrator is good. And then the book genres that made the most money on Amazon in 2021, again, with romance. billion. Oh my gosh. And crime and mystery coming in second with $728.2 million.
1: Hold on a minute. 1.44 billion Billion from romance? For romance
0: of the (sighs) genre that made the most money on Amazon.
1: I don't want Amazon to be getting 1.44 billion from books. I want that to go
0: somewhere else. Isn't that insane? That's a lot of money. That's just. That's one genre, one figure mm-hmm. of one book genre. Ooh, yeah, yeah. It's a that's an awful lot of money. Well, thanks for bringing the. But good news, I did see in in my figures. I didn't write them down, but of the books sold in twenty twenty one, it was two point six billion. That's a lot of books. Like people, people are still reading and buying books. Heck and, yeah! You know, sometimes you see. That you know, reading is disappearing or
1: whatever. No, it's not. It's not. I like that. Okay, that brings me up a little bit. Well, let's get into our book list. And now that I'm thinking about it, I may have a historical suspense novel on our hands. Oh, I here. want to know what it is. Uh-huh. Okay. So my first book is Mrs. March by Virginia Waito, and this is her debut. This came out last year. In this book is a true character study of Mrs. March. She is the wife of a very famous author, George, and his latest book is a smash hit. And no one is more proud than Mrs. March until she figures out that everybody thinks the unflattering main character is based off of her. And you read along as she slowly goes to pieces about this trying to figure out whether or not George really did base this character off of her, whether this is how she comes across. And she figures out everyone around her thinks that, and they're all looking at her. So her paranoia grows as the book goes on. She is a very buttoned-up character that has a very traditional role in their household. And what was so interesting about this book is you don't know what year it's set in. I am gathering it was in about the 1960s, but I think it's purposefully vague. They mentioned a payphone. She wears gloves to the store and things like that. So I'm like, I think we're in the 1960s thereabouts. So she's going about her normal day. It opens up. She's kind of going to her normal bakery and getting this olive loaf that she always gets. And the baker says, "Oh, you must be so proud." Yes, of course I am. She's like, "Well, he based the character off of you." And that's when like things start to like she flies apart basically. She's like, "Wait a minute, you think that I'm like this person?" So her routines get very upset when she finds this out. She goes to a new bakery across town. There's a lot of dark humor. I found myself chuckling because this lady is, you feel bad sort of because you're like, oh, you're you're not well. Like you are not well. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I was not sure. I'm like, is she losing it? Am I missing something? Or is everything actually happening? Which I love. I love a good unreliable narrator. Mm-hmm. Keep in mind, you're living in this woman's head for the entire book. So to, if that doesn't sound like appealing, you probably won't like this. But one day she's rifling around in Georgia's study and comes across this newspaper clipping about a woman who's recently been killed in small town Maine. And it turns out the small town is the same town that her husband and his friend have been going to for their hunting trip. So immediately she becomes obsessed with the idea that George is to blame and decides to do some amateur sleuthing. I'm thinking of a specific scene. I'll tell you offline. if you. It's just so funny, the thing that she comes up with. Also sad, but also like one of those things where you're like, ooh, you're kind of like watching with one eye closed. I did enjoy this, but again, I will say you have to be in the mood for something character-driven and quirky. Not quirky as in... Eleanor Oliphant, quirky, but like she's this woman's definitely going off the deep end. It's unsettling, and the author does a really good job with creating this weird imagery, and it makes the reader uncomfortable. Mrs. March has these really specific and wild irritations about the world, and she suffers from delusion. So she's you can't tell, is this really happening or is she imagining it? And I love how we didn't really find out until the end what's going on, if she's actually going crazy, or if George is horrible, or if it's a bit of both. If anybody has seen Mad Men, think Betty Draper when she's at her very worst. That is this character. (laughs) And speaking of Mad Men, I heard that Elizabeth Moss has optioned this and will play the main character, which is absolutely perfect. Perfect, perfect. Um, If the sound of reading along as one woman slowly descends into madness sounds like a good time to you, then go (laughs) ahead and give this a shot. This is Mrs. March by Virginia Feito. Okay, yes. You've got me
0: intrigued. Um, I have a question. Mm -hmm. When you said were inside her head for the whole time. It didn't bother you because I just, I mean, did it remind you of me saying, like, for Flicker in the Dark, it was mm. way too much introspection. You didn't
1: No, like this no, no. Because this, no, no. This woman's introspection is not normal. You're kind of like, okay, huh, hmm, I don't think that's what's really going on.
0: It was more fun and
1: weird and dark. And It's dark and you get to see, she interacts with a lot of characters. So you get to see her perception of how they're interfacing with her. But got you're it. probably like, oh, you are you think you've got it together. I assure you, you do not. <laughs> they do not believe you in this moment. <laughs> so that it's not as though she's just thinking about things she's actually interfacing. I didn't even mention that she has a son because she forgets about him sometimes. Like she almost barely takes care of oh this poor gosh. boy who's nine. So yeah. Very interesting character, for sure. Yeah, you've
0: you've intrigued me with that. Did you say you listened to that one?
1: I did listen to it. Audio was fine. Nothing crazy.
0: Nothing extraordinary.
1: Nothing like making me say, go listen to it. I think it would be good either way. Okay, got it. Okay. Well, my first
0: book is one that has been on my TBR forever. And I'm so glad I got to try it. It's 24 Hours by Greg Isles. Also, my first book by Greg Isles. Mm-hmm. I know this is author. not part of any series because I know his series are so long, and I know that people rave about them, but this is a standalone. And this, Tina, you're going to be like, yes, this is in your wheelhouse. This is about a madman who decides to pull off the perfect crime, and he actually pulls it off every year, and he's been doing it for five years. He kidnaps families. He does it every year, and then he lives off the ransom. And (gasps) nobody ever reports it, and this is his thing. But in this story, he's picked the wrong family to terrorize. Oh, heck yeah. Because Will and Karen Jennings aren't going to watch helplessly as he victimizes them, and they aren't going to let him get away with it.
1: Great premise.
0: If this is not in my wheelhouse, I don't know what is. Mm -hmm. This is a thriller, straight up thriller. It starts off, there is no messing around. You are in the action with a family, a, a family before them that he has kidnapped. It is edge of the seat kind, kind of suspense. I was so into it. So the the kidnapper and he has a sidekick. Now I will say that he does not treat his sidekick is slower developmentally and so there are derogatory terms that he uses yeah. which yeah. really bothered me and you know this character was really bad so i get that but it did you know it did bother me i did listen to this and i am going to say for one of for the second time today i do not recommend the audio wow I don't. the only way i could read this was on audio so i did but i i just don't i don't recommend the audio the narration was really odd and i will tell you why it had to do with the fact that there this was a single narrator i do think this was many years ago i didn't even look mm-hmm. up the date but this but you know when i say that the quality of narration in the last 2 years skyrocketed i am not exaggerating and i know this was made before two years ago. But my issue was, you have this family, you have Will and Karen Jennings. They have a five-year-old daughter. They are very, very wealthy. And Will, he's a doctor, an anesthesiologist. He leaves for a conference. His wife and his daughter are home alone. So that's how the kidnappers, they've tracked them. They know what they're doing. They know their movements. That's how the whole setup becomes that they're able to, to get them. So the five-year-old daughter, the narrator, speaking for a five-year-old, no, Mm -hmm. mm -mm, not good. And I usually do not have a problem with kids who come across as older. I don't. When I was listening to this, I was like, okay, sometimes—because I really liked the five-year-old. I really liked the daughter. I felt for her. I felt for the mother. I liked the family. This was very, very suspenseful, but because of the narration, and then when, when it would become the daughter's perspective, it took me right out because she spoke like
1: a 25-year-old. I was just going to ask that. Five is a hard age to—
0: Five to is a really in. hard age. And I immediately thought how different this was from, from Bewilderment and Robin in that story, who was eight— and I totally believed some of the things that he said were were very above his age, but I bought it. I believed it. It made sense. The narrator nailed it. And that did not happen in this case. And also that does go to the author because he made this five-year-old girl wise, 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 way beyond her years. It was for five years old. No, I've I've, I've had Five-year-olds, no, (laughs) there's no (laughs) way.
1: You're like trying to get them to eat chicken nuggets. Like it's not.
0: (laughs) But this is just an action-packed. What's going to happen when this particular family, this particular mother, especially, is like, no, sir, we're not going to follow. We're not going to follow your rules, and she just completely throws a wrench in his plans, and. There's some subplots that take place in other states. And it was, this is an author who's very experienced in writing thrillers. I was loving, 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 loving this until the 75% mark. And then I hit a wall with mm. the repetitive action scenes that at one car chase led to another car chase led to another car chase. <laughs> and I said to myself, I think he should have quit. Car chase one and I completely got the idea. And and I'm bummed that at 75% I lost moment. It it lost momentum for me. I lost momentum and I wanted to skim the rest of it. And I I'm bummed about that. You know, so I I do recommend, but I maybe go in knowing that around 75%, it's okay to skim and (laughs) and just like skim through the repetitive car chase scenes and then get to the resolution, which was was fine and great. So overall, I liked it. I'm I'm so glad to take it off my TBR. It's, yeah. It was a really good thriller.
1: It's 24 Hours by Greg Isles. I'm really glad you brought that. I had his Natchez Burning series yeah. in my peripheral, in my radar. Um, but yeah, they're intimidating because they're long, but I'm they're glad to long. hear that I use skill. We're, we're not afraid of big books, though. Come on. We
0: can do No, <laughs> but, you know, I, I know. But I have a feeling he's an author that really digs in. And you need to be in the space for a longer story. hmm You know? I hear that. That makes yeah. sense. All
1: right. All right what's so your next book? My second book is one that is the true definition of a psychological thriller. This is a Tina book from top to bottom. It is I Invited Her In by Adele Parks. This came out in 2019, and it officially broke me out of my book, Slump. I had had asked on my Instagram for someone to recommend a book to me that was going to make me say, what the hell? And this book delivered. Thank you to our Patreon slash friend of the show, Alia, for the suggestion. So in this book, you've got two women, Melanie and Abigail, and they were best friends at university, but have since lost touch. Melanie dropped out after their freshman year due to an unplanned pregnancy, which effectively ended their friendship. It's been 17 years, and out of the blue, Abigail reaches out to let Melanie know that she's coming back to England and she'd like to get together. And Abigail, after university, got pretty famous in the U.S. and married Rob, somebody they both went to college with. But now they're going their separate ways, so it makes sense that Abigail reaches out to Mel, looking for comfort while she gets back on her feet. And Mel is this mother. She works at a clothing store. Is pretty happy in her life and says, yeah, come on by. Stay with us as long as you need. And Melanie feels this way because Abby was one of the only ones that was nice to her when they found out she was pregnant. So she feels kind of like, okay, I owe her a little bit. And she's also attracted to Abby's glamorous lifestyle. She's kind of living vicariously through this old friend. I love stories about former friends coming back together (laughs) as well as stories about revenge and jealousy, and this absolutely did the trick. It is all about wanting what you can't have, and I was completely captivated. When I tell you this thing, I was expecting it to go where it went, but then it went 80 yards beyond where I was expecting oh, it to that's go. The best. <laughs> I yes. was like, oh yeah, uh-huh, okay, I see. Huh? No, you're not. Okay, there we go. <laughs> so you have alternating viewpoints and a few well-placed twists. None of some of which I called it did not bother me in the slightest. Now, these characters are not likable. These are not good people, by and large. And (laughs) one in particular drove me up a wall with some of the decisions she made, but that did not take away from my enjoyment at all. It's kind of like something that I expected from this type of thriller. I will set this disclaimer here. This is wonderfully entertaining. It is a popcorn thriller, though. And if you don't like unreliable characters, Probably don't read this. If you can't look past convenient plot points, like someone being able to open someone else's phone because they have an easy to guess password or no password, you probably won't love this. However, if you can bypass those things, this is really fun. This book I flew through. I absolutely want to try more of this author again. And I am happy that I discovered a new author in my favorite genre. This was I Invited Her In by Adele Parks. Oh, that's good. I have Mm -hmm. her on my to be read list to try that she, author. Yeah, she's worth it. She has a new one coming out in 2022 that I just got my oh, hot little hands on. So I'm going to have to add did. that to the list. I know. Of course I did. Of course I did. <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you listen to that one? I, I invited her. I in.
1: did listen to that one. Mm-hmm. Is it British narration? Yeah, it is. I don't know. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. was it? But I feel okay. like I listen to so many books narrated by British narrators that I don't even notice it as like not my language anymore. Like, oh, it's because I, I just listen I to so many. Lately.
0: Okay, no, okay. I haven't listened to that many British lately. So yeah, this was a good one. This was out. a
1: fun, fun book. OK,
0: good. All right. What you All got? Right, next. Next. I guess this could be considered my scoop on you. Good. Like, even, what you okay. got? I have got um notes on an execution yeah. by danya Kakofka, yes. which was my shelf edition i'm bringing two i'm bringing feedback on two shelf editions this episode Loved. i know i didn't i i was like this sounds familiar to me i know i picked this somewhere and that was episode 14 this one i'm bringing to you early because it comes out january 25th but i want everyone to put this one on their radars. Get your library holds, get your pre-orders in. This is so good. This is about Antle Packer, and he is scheduled to die in 12 hours. He is one of the main narrators. I think he opens the story. You hear from him. He knows what he's done, and he is awaiting execution. He is counting down. His narration will count down, and he will narrate present, with past and it's chilling the narration is fantastic. I only had this on audio. I highly highly recommend the audio. The thing with Ansel is he he actually does not want to die. he has not reconciled himself with his upcoming execution. he wants to be celebrated and he wants to be understood and his perspective alternates with other women. And you have his mother, and she is Lavender, a 17-year-old girl who is brought into a situation and a marriage that she is unprepared for. And this leads to her to making a very, very desperate decision. You have a sister of someone else in the story, Hazel, and her story is also very fascinating, and very intertwined with the story. And then you have a homicide detective, Safi, and she is hot on the trail, Ansel's trail, and she's devoted her life to bringing bad men to justice. However, she has her own life struggles. And this is the detective part that we talked about. She is not cliche, She, Mm. oh, she is complex. She is realistic. I loved her. I rooted for her. She's very much in that past storyline of, she's trying to track Ansel in the past. When I say that this is a brilliant way to tell a story, it, it was brilliant. So you have each perspective, each story layers itself into the other. This felt like, a topiary maze where the author took me on paths that I thought okay I know I know where we're going and then oh no no there's a there's a twist here and a twist there and a twist there and they're so subtle but they're so impactful and then she keeps on going it was nuanced she explored issues of right and wrong and Ethical issues, philosoph- philosophical issues, nature versus nurture. This is a story about all of it. Parenting and the responsibility and sacrifice, all at the same time of providing us a serial killer story without the focus being on him, if that, make, like, if that makes if Oh, 100%. Sense. Mm-hmm. Even though he narrated, she managed to put the focus on the other characters and the other storylines, and then they all tied together in the most brilliant way. And I kept thinking, oh my gosh, what do I think? Because she looks at, is there evil? Is there not evil? Is this a black and a white issue, or are there shades of gray? Oh, she made me think about that. I think she explored the question of redemption, and all while giving us characters that I'm still thinking about. And that's probably a little bit of what led to my book slump, <laughs> a little bit of a reading slump, yeah mm-hmm. because I loved this so much. I think it would be great for book clubs. Even at the end, she managed to throw in these little twists. it was it was just perfection. I loved it. It was notes on an execution by Danya Kakafka,
1: okay. I will I have the audio and I have the print. so I I can squeeze this in. I think I can do it. I can do it. Yeah, that sounds so good. And it sounds unique too. It's not just the same story. I'm laughing because I just told a story like the one I just brought. I'm like, yeah, you probably can guess what's going on, but it was entertaining. But also I want something that's different. Like I don't know what I want. I just want a good story. And that one sounds awesome. It's one that makes you think,
0: Mm -hmm. but also
1: gives you characters that,
0: you know, they're flawed, which I Mm -hmm. like. I like a good like friend character. Alarm. Okay, all right. You ready? Well, Are you ready for shelf editions?
1: Yes. All right. My shelf edition this week is a book called Fiona and Jane by Jean Chen Ho, and this one came out last week on January fourth, and it hit my radar because I've been looking for a while about more stories about female friendship that isn't toxic that follows the characters through a long period of time. I feel like you get a lot of that with male friendships, but I have read comparatively fewer books about longtime female friendships. This book is about two young Taiwanese American women who navigate friendship, sexuality, identity, and heartbreak over the course of two decades. They met in second grade and grew up together in LA. Fiona was always destined to leave their hometown and moves to New York to care for a sick friend. Jane stays in California and is grieving her father's sudden death, which alienates her girlfriend. They come together as friends and lose touch, but will always love each other. And it sounds like the author really peels back the layers of female friendship, really digs into the intensity, the sometimes resentment that can go on, but through it all, the boundless love. This sounds so good. I'm very intrigued. And I love the cover. I think that's initially what got my eye. It's Fiona and Jane, and it just came out recently. Okay good. All right, mine is one directly
0: in my wheelhouse. It's Where I Can't Follow by Ashley Blooms. It comes out February 15th and what this is basically about, it's set in Kentucky with the backdrop of the opioid epidemic. Mm-hmm. You have Marin and she is obviously a drug dealer, she sells pills, but what's happening in this community is There is a door, and people can walk through it and they can leave their life, their problems, whatever they want. But once you leave, you can never come back. And this story is going to take Marin to the place where she decides do I walk through that door or do and and never look back, which is what her mother did when Marin was nine or do I stay? Because she takes care of her grandma. She has problem after problem after problem. It sounds like her life is very stressful. And I want to know. I already want to know if she's going to walk through that door and what happens and what happened to the people who did walk through the door. I'm intrigued. It was
1: Where I Can't Follow by Ashley Blooms. Oh, I love it when you bring a book that's really for you. I'm like, that makes me so happy that you have that. Because I'm like, it wouldn't be, it wouldn't appeal to me. But I'm like, that one sounds mm-hmm. right up your alley. Totally up my alley. Okay, Renee. Well, we did it. Another episode in the books. That's in it for today. Year. Yay, your first of the new year. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. It helps us get our podcasts out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you'd like access to our exclusive bonus content, you can join us on Patreon for $5 a month.
0: Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc.com at gmail.com. You can connect with us both at... Etc. on Instagram, Tina at TBR, etc., and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember,
1: everything's better
0: with books. And with that being said, should we dive? Hello? Are you in here? Oh, God. I got spooked. Is it a ghost? Okay.
1: Hey, actually, that's going to tie in really well later on. (laughs) Oh,
0: okay.